Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hello, and welcome to episode 43. Yeah. It's episode 43. (laughs) I had to count in my head, damn it. Um, We are talking about finding your perfect home today. We have a special guest, um, my dear friend, Ben, who is a real estate agent. Um, Say hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. (laughs) Fair, fair. Very political. Um, Anyways, so this is titled Picket Fence. We are drinking Picket Fence, which is a a Pinot Noir from Russian River Valley. This is 2016. Why don't we get popping and get going? Ben's going to pop it. A lot, of, a lot of pressure here. No. We're all watching you. <laughs> We've cracked corks. Yeah. We've made a lot of squeak. You're not squeaking. So I'm just realizing that you do this much differently than me. Okay. Because I actually like turn. You go that. I'm kind of spinning the bottle. More yeah. So. so he's spinning the bottle instead of the corkscrew. And I usually spin the corkscrew. The different technique. I know. Well, but but not. What, you know, as long as the wine comes out of the bottle, that's all we really yes, care about. Yes. As long as as it comes out somehow, like, yeah, we're good. Help me, there's wine, and it's trapped in the bottle. (laughs) Help, I can't get out of this. Spin the bottle is very kind to me as a youth, so I just Ah. think that methodology. (laughs) So that's it. Why, thank you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be talking today, pour yourself some, go ahead. Um, We're going to be talking today about real estate, uh, how to navigate a lot of different things with respect to finding a home. Thank you. And uh, hopefully hear some fun stories and fun facts about house hunting. Okay, should we cheers? Cheers to cheers this to fun ben. episode. Of ben. Cheers. Who happens to be my neighbor too? So that works out really well. Won't you be my neighbor? With the real estate thing. I'm gonna. It's say smokier than I would expect for a Pinot Noir. Like it's from a cool. Climate. I'm getting some like bacon at the end, but I don't know. That's kind of standard. I just ate some cheese, so I need to not. I didn't just eat anything. It's like some bacon, <sighs> some candied bacon. Um. Or do you want to go more leathery with it, maybe? Yeah, yeah. There's some leather. There's some smoke, but it's like not what I would expect from a Pinot Noir. But that this is a warmer climate, so that might be why. This is a cool climate. But California is warmer than Oregon. That is true. That is true. It's a warmer climate for Pinot. Okay. I should, fair. Sorry, I should fair specify point. that. I don't know. Let's maybe we like should let it open what up. Is this, what's this ABV here that we're talking about? What's that say? Thirteen point five. Thirteen point five. It feels a little heated. Uh, <laughs> like it feels. Are you like Are you sure that you're just not hot? Oh God, <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was actually really warm. <laughs> is it the wine or is it you, Jamie? <laughs> Just saying. Debatable. Okay. Always debatable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so the quote from Picket Fence, right, is that home is a place you grow up wanting to leave and grow old wanting to get back to. Um, I see that not... sounds fairly accurate. Yeah, I my agree. My hometown. Your hometown? A lot well, of people have gone back. Is it the hometown, or are you talking about, like, a house? Like, you leave your house, and then you try and get find a home, a oh, place that, that makes you feel like home again. 
Like when you grew up. That's true. I think that based on what people grew up in, that's sort of the house that they end up looking for in the future. I could or be aspects wrong. of that. The aspects feeling. That. I feel like it's the yeah. feeling they're looking for. I don't know. I'd, I'd side with feeling. I'd go feeling. Yeah. feeling. yeah, it's more the the mindset that you kind of create from what you grew up in, like all those emotions from your youth. You're yeah. trying to find that again in a house. I yeah. think it, at least I see that a lot with people. I think in my search it was like that too. You're the professional. <laughs> Somewhat. And you bought a, I'm the only one here who has not bought a house. So I, I guess I'm, I'm a little, little limited in what I can offer here. But well, I think that's interesting. What? Go ahead. No, that's the quote on the bottle, like I said. And it's yeah. John Ed Pierce. I don't know who Who's he is. That? But maybe he's like some home buying expert. Probably not. I'm going to look him up. Is a show on like HGTV or really, something? I'm really embarrassed if I don't know who it is. If it's somebody who should know. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to read the rest on the back of this bottle for us? Yeah, let's see. So, picket fences expand across the Sonoma and American landscape, signifying home in its many forms. Our picket fence, Russian River Valley Pinot Noir, is grown in Sonoma's most prized Pinot Noir region on a family farm vineyard where the vital, cool nighttime harvest preserves bright fruit and acidity, creating a balanced, elegant wine unique to this area. This captivating Pinot Noir boasts mouth-watering Bing cherry and spice, married with moderate French oak, revealing a rich, velvety finish. Oh, you did that very well. That was very yeah. nice. I feel like you could, so you know, be a salesman for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I do get that oak, like... for sure. I think it's a little much on the oak. Um, the, yeah. I don't know because I think okay, my struggle with Pinot is that it typically had it's typically very light, light to medium body. This is definitely more medium body to me. I would even argue I feel still. I just took a sip, sip before I started talking. I still feel it in my mouth, and it's it's gone. So it's like coating it, and it's I like the meteor, the medium, and the meteor uh, Pinot Noirs, and so that's why this I'm actually digging this Pinot. I'm usually not a fan of the Burgundies. Which I think are typically lighter. I like the beginning of this Pinot, but the end, I kind of get this like spicy, really smoky bitterness that I wouldn't expect from a Pinot. I I don't know, I, but I'm I I love Oregon Pinot, so maybe it's just the California style that I'm not digging right now. A little bias. After uh, after reading the cherry part, I huge in the nose on cherry. Yo, in the nose yeah. for sure. It's like in your face. Yeah. Yeah. But the taste is not. The taste is, and the beginning mm. there is, but not. Towards the end. Right. Towards 18%. the middle and the end. So a couple quick things, because I know we haven't talked about Pinot Noir for a long time on this uh, podcast. So Pinot, thin-skinned grape, red wine, obviously. I hope that's obvious. <laughs> um, very difficult to grow, and so that's part of the reason why um, it needs a lot more TLC, and so you're not going to find super, super cheap Pinot Noir. No. Like pretty much from anywhere because it is so specific about where it can and cannot grow and you really have to cater to it and take care of it, much like a home. You need to actually take care of it and, you know, do a little maintenance stuff that, you know, don't wait for something to break to fix it. Like, you know, I don't know. So uh, it does best in cooler, moderate climates, uh, but not too cool because otherwise you'll get too vegetal of a character. But... When we get something that's more of a moderate climate, we're going to get more of those leathery and gamey, meaty notes 
So that is, I'd say, pretty on par for what we're, what we're yeah. getting. I, I think I... I don't think this is a bad wine. I'm just going to put that out there. But I think I tend to gravitate more towards Pinots from the cooler climates. Ben, what do you think? Oregon. Yeah, so Washington. I don't drink a ton of Pinots as is, but for a Pinot, this is very attractive, I think. I, I would drink more Pinots if more Pinots tasted oh, like this. Oh, wow. I am like being like, I'm like, out on this one. <laughs> that's okay. Damn. Well, that just tells you. Wine, wine is very... It's all it's all subjective. Yes. Just like buying a house. Everybody Just like buying a house. That's exactly. true. Okay, you guys, John Ed Pierce is not who I thought he was. Who is he? He's an author and he wrote this book called Days of Darkness, The Feuds of Eastern Kentucky. So I'm not really sure. Maybe I mean I don't know how many John Ed Pierce's are out there, but he must be some writer and that must be a quote from him. So I don't think he has anything to do with like home buying. Oh. <laughs> I'm interested in the book that now. Might, I'm sure that might <laughs> just be a cool it, it looks pretty book, scary. But... It looks scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, it looks yeah, scary. Yeah, there's a guy with a huge rifle. Holy fuck. Okay, sorry. I don't sorry. know. The feuds of Eastern Kentucky, I'm pretty sure that got bloody. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Maybe over some picket fences. <gasps> there you go. Maybe that's where it came from. So, uh, picket fences is based in Cali. <laughs> Uh, Russian River Valley, which is our wine, but also Alexander Valley, which I think is a bit further east and slightly It's at the top of Sonoma County. Yeah. Yeah. So these are, the Russian River Valley is the coolest Appalachian in Sonoma County, uh, with lots of microclimates, which is really good. I'm... Yeah, that's good because you get to grow different types of grapes. Right. Because they, all types of grapes need different climates, so if you have microclimates, then... You can grow several types of varietals. It's awesome. Yeah. I would say that Picket Fence is probably one of those winemakers who very much argues that terroir is a real thing. Because <laughs> there are some people who don't believe in terroir. Right. Yeah, Picket Fence actually has a lot of different varietals, or several different varietals that they make. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cab, uh, Sauvignon specifically. And then there's a red blend that they have too. And as Sarah mentioned, it's kind of difficult to find this. This is not like a widely, I'd say, distributed, especially around here. But they do have something handy on their website where you put in your zip code and then it tells you all the different stores that you can find their wines. So that's yeah. that's kind of cool. Um, I don't think a lot of websites have that, so I enjoyed that. Um, a little bit about the actual... Uh, vineyard themselves, the winery themselves, is they practice sustainable practices, so that's cool. Uh, they don't go too much into what they do, but they cover their crops um, to control erosion, improve soil structure, and they uh, and that also adds nutrients and um, beneficial predators. So they want those types of. I don't like that they call them predators. I wish they didn't. I know what they're saying, but they could say it a different way. I'm curious what beneficial predators are. I under, the different bacteria, I'm sure that improves oh, the, I the, the, the vines. But it was animals. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they're talking about bacteria. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking like no. the field mice. Like I don't, I don't think know. so. They if, have, if anybody's a wine predator, I think it's you too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, you're kind of almost there. You're yeah. like, you're pretty close. Fair enough. Um, 
They have a viticulturist that evaluates the vineyards each week to perfectly match the water, nutrient, um, and trellising requirements for each vine with the soil and the climate. Um, and then they have all these property boundaries to control invasive weeds and increase plant and animal biodiversity, but they don't use any chemicals or anything like that. It's all natural growth of native plants that they use to kind of block right. off their vineyards. Right. Anyways, just a little bit about that. And one other little tidbit about them is that their uh, winemaker is, uh, her name is Allison Crow. And I just wanted to call attention to this simply because this episode is being posted on International Women's Day. So yay, women winemakers. Well, we'll cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah. Here, Ben, you can cheers, cheers to that. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yay. All right. Awesome. That is still one of my favorite sounds with these glasses. Oh, is that like... It's like when you cheers and you go... (laughs) It will never... It will never cease to Never get old. All right. We got to get into our topic because I'm super excited. There's all these shows. Like House Hunters and... Oh, I, I see there's Vanilla Ice as, like, some house hunting show. I don't, Vanilla Ice goes Amish, apparently, is a show. But anyways, there's a fascination <laughs> with buying a house, flipping a house, just all of that. I mean, there's entire channels dedicated are they, to this. Is it real? What? Like, are the shows, like, legitimate? Oh, I thought you were at... I, <laughs> I don't know. No, this, yeah, is, this, is, this is one of the things that I think about. I don't think so. I don't have the patience to watch all of them because half the time I just probably judge the people who are on it. You're also probably very limited to what you can choose based on the show because the show is trying to make good entertainment. And then they usually have some random friend who's in there like telling their opinion and I'm like, who are you? Yeah, I usually start screaming at my TV too quickly after they begin because <laughs> to, to some extent they have to be real, right? Where it's sure. like if you're renovating a home, flipping a home, like the before and afters are, are real. Uh, but when I see somebody looking at a home and they're like, oh, we're going to show someone this home in Boston and then we're going to show them this home like 90 miles outside of Boston. <laughs> like when I like search it, it's like that's not the same like search parameters at all. Like you're right. in a totally different area. So. Some of that I start getting angry and throwing things, but otherwise, to some extent, you got to think they're real, right? I mean, I would, I would uh, hope so, but it always calls into question this reality TV. <laughs> how much is real? How much is not? Yeah. Maybe That's they, another. maybe they've bought the house, and they're just like, "This is all staged." That's potential. It is potential. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Anyways. So that's part of the reason we brought this up, but also this topic is important because we are in spring, which is like when the market is quote unquote hot, where they're telling people to put their houses on the market. And then that, this is usually when people are looking. So we thought this would be the perfect time for all our listeners. I know that, uh, we bought our house here a couple years ago, but, um, and I, We'll share tidbits of our story um, <laughs> during our conversation, but I do remember it being, it was very vicious and I still, I still look at the market. I still get Redfin emails. I still get like Zillow. You send me houses. I do. I'm still fascinated with it. I'm still like, oh, what's that? And still look at pictures. And I mean, I was showing you a house the other day. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that sounds kind of funny. Yeah, yeah he's probably seen. But I, many of them. I know this one was kind of different though. But anyways, um, so I do. I don't think it's just me though. I think people are quite interested in just the real estate market in general. So anyways, that's where that's where we bring Ben in here since he has a little more experience than us. Yeah. So why don't you just give us a little background? How'd you get into it? Um, so yeah, uh, 
I guess I studied urban studies when I was in college, um, and believe it or not, most people don't know what that is. Um, I don't know what that so is. So what does that mean? Yeah, that's, so that's the question I got from every employer I talked to as well. Um, and so <laughs> ended up working um, with a company that did kind of international, or not international, but national relocation. So moving oh, employees yeah. from one place to another and got my real estate license through that and realized I, I really like the industry. It's kind of very dynamic and every day is going to be very different. You're working with all kinds of different people. Um, and just being able to kind of have, have that dynamic schedule to some extent too, um, were all really appealing to me. So through a series of hop, skips and jumps ended up just working in regular residential real estate as a buyer's agent and have loved every day of it. Cool. And how long have you been doing it? So I've held my real estate license for six years now. Um, and so through various stops I've had it, but it's about six years. So I'm sure that you don't have a boring job because you probably meet all types of people. <laughs> Absolutely. And it probably rotates frequently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure it's not like this boring desk job, go to your office kind of thing, which I think is pretty cool. But Yeah. No, that's the biggest thing for me, too. I, I, I had a couple jobs where I just sat at a desk and couldn't do that. I gained too yeah. much weight and just don't like what I did do at that point. So... Yeah, yeah. I, had to, I had to get out there. Yeah. So um, it can be a very stressful process, right? Certainly. I guess before we get into that, how, what would you, and I know you said in the past that you have, a, you could talk about this forever, but how would you advise even getting started before you get started even? Sure. Um, so I, I think a good place for most people to start is finding out what you want to pay. Um, I think a lot of people go into it and say, I can pay this or... Hey, I'm going to start looking at $500,000 houses where you don't necessarily understand what that payment means, where you think, right. oh, I could probably afford this and not understanding that it's going to cost me $2,500 a month or something like that. And taxes, right? Yeah. And just kind of all in um, mm-hmm. with various HOAs and everything. So oh, yeah. I think it, it's good to kind of talk with a lender or talk to a real estate agent who can kind of give you a better idea that way. There's a bunch of websites too, like our site, Redfin has... Um, you're kind of all in payment calculator. So if you take, if you're renting or if you're living with your parents and kind of you're able to take that number and put it into your budget and see how that looks. So figuring out that part of it, I think is huge. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily do that right off the bat. Um, so I'd say definitely check in on, on finances and, and what you want to pay and what you can handle. And then what do you like about where you live currently? Because that I think is, going to transfer into your home search in large part. I think we talked at the very beginning about how, um, like how you leave something, but what you're you're actually going to try to find that again in whatever you're looking for, for the next step. Exactly. The feeling. Exactly. You're you're looking to get that feeling again. And there's some things that are going to be important. Like if your family's in the kitchen all the time, or if you're in your apartment and you cook all the time, you're going to realize like, I need a good amount of space in here where someone else said, maybe some people need a lot of space in the bathroom. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I need a bathtub. That is my big thing. A bathtub, yeah. see? A big bathtub. There you and go. That sounds really stupid. I understand, but damn. I'm sure he's heard worse. So uh, that's probably the thing I hear more than anything is I think that sounds really stupid. Like that probably sounds really stupid yeah. to you. And it, everyone's search is so different that those things don't sound that stupid. It's just, all right, this is what's important to you. Like we're going to find a house that yeah. fits those boxes. And so, yeah, finding out those things is critical and I feel oh, go, ahead. go ahead 
I was going to ask, so when you start working with somebody, do you sort of do, I mean, I'm sure that they interview you, but do you actually start like an interview? Like, let's say somebody comes to you and they don't, they don't have their list together of things mm-hmm. that they need. Do you start asking them like behavioral questions to figure out and try <laughs> yeah. to try to figure out and prioritize? Like, you like interview. Okay, them. so I think yeah. that this is what they're gonna want if they can't like put it into words. Yeah. So what I'd like to do a lot of times is we'll go out to like one home that they say, "Hey, I really want to see this home," and we'll go out and we'll kind of dive at why are we at this home specifically? Okay. And what stuck out to you? Why did you say you wanted to see it? Now that we're here. What don't you like? And then from there, we go and usually sit down and be able to hash those things out further and using my expertise to some extent to be able to narrow it down and say, okay, you need three bedrooms, but you don't really need three bedrooms. I mean, you need two bedrooms and an office and and being able to kind of refine that search um, is... I think that's like an art, right? Because I remember... No, seriously. I remember being (laughs) with our real estate agent and I mean... Like I said, I'll kind of get into my story a little bit later, but she knew what we were like. So the first one we had. Yo, yes. The first one we had was kind of not, we were not jiving. Like she was just not getting it. Like she was showing us houses where I'm like, I I don't know how many times we have to make it clear to you that this is not what we're looking for. Okay. And then like the whole, and I, and maybe you can kind of shed light on this, but the whole like trying to convince you to like something where they're like, but this is so charming. And I'm like, I, I'm telling you, I just want to leave now. So <laughs> yeah. we're good. You know what I mean? I, I hate that out of realtors, honestly. Like, and so even, you know, when I was searching quite some time ago before I had my license, like those yeah. kind of realtors just like put people off to mm-hmm. the real estate industry in general. It's like the used car salesman, right? Where yeah. it's right. you should buy this house because I'm going to make commission on it. And or because I'm sick of showing you houses. Yeah, so, exactly. You know. And so that's why I think it's really important too, to know the person you're getting into business with. And a lot of times people are, it's, you read a bio on a website and you're like, I think yeah. I like this yeah. person. I work with them. And so being able to like actually meet with somebody, like have a cup of coffee before you start seeing homes or before you sign any agency agreements, especially, mm-hmm. um, have a cup of coffee, talk to them, make sure like personality wise you fit. Cause I think that's just as, as important as anything else is to click personality wise. Cause you're going to be with them a decent amount. You're going to be going mm-hmm. through some very emotional decisions. So just being able to have somebody that you click with that way, mm-hmm. I think it's just as important as somebody who's going to be a good negotiator. Oh yeah. I totally agree. And our second person like hit, you know, hit it out of the park. She she really got us, and it just worked that way. And I mean, and that's how it how it went. But it was like she kind of knew what we wanted, and she was showing us things that she figured out we would want without us knowing. So sure. like yeah. that was kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So she, I don't know <laughs> this I'm, house. I'm no, no. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Well, two questions have popped up. One number one, you mentioned. You know, you want to make sure that you have a good relationship with the person that you are going to be spending all this time with, mm-hmm. especially because of the frustrations I'm sure that happen while you're out and the stress and the conversations and the emotions because they run high. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm positive. What happens if you don't feel like you have that connection? And I'm sure that you probably feel it too on the realtor side, but like sure. what what can you do if it's not a good relationship? If you've already signed if a contract. If you've already signed a contract. Is there anything that already someone can do? It's probably a better question for a lawyer at that point. <laughs> oh. I, like, and I have like personal stories. Like a cousin of mine got into this contract. That was a 12-month agency contract. Okay. And 
basically was just stuck unless like the realtor breaches something within that contract to some extent like you're kind of in a contract because you signed a sheet of paper saying so so if you were to go work with somebody else that realtor that you worked with initially is still entitled to make the money from that transaction in large part so it's kind of a big hairy mess in general that Gotcha. Would involve some litigation, I would believe. Gotcha. I mean, so it's like read the fine print, people. Like yeah. in these contracts, like be sure you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. Um, the other question that I had, because I know of your experience, Sarah, with like the two different realtors. It was. It was. We didn't have to like get out of a contract though, because she, our first realtor, was. She told us she was going on vacation for two months or a month, but she actually was moving out of state. So she, <laughs> she really didn't like you, huh? Damn. So, so she actually had her partner that she called come and take us around, which turned out to be a much better fit just off the bat. And then I think at some point she like tried to come back and we were like two months in and we we're like, this is not, I mean, you can't try. And we, she would like send me houses that we'd already seen. So I was like, yeah. no, not working. So I think it was a very unique situation. Okay. But do you... Like, is the realtor, and this is a question based on my own experiences, so you can tell me honestly, if we come up with an idea of what we're looking for as a home buyer, is it my responsibility to find all of the homes or it does, how much of, how much of this is a realtor recommendation based on what's available versus I just provide you a list of things I want to see? Sure. And It'll depend on kind of the dynamic of your relationship with your realtor in large part, but I think a realtor is going to be working with not just you, right? And Mm -hmm. you're going to be looking for your house probably every single day, probably two or three times a day, checking whatever real estate site you use. So I have a question about that, but go ahead. And so you're probably going to be your own best advocate in large part, where if a host pops up and it's only been on the market an hour, you can send something over to me and say, hey, like, what do you think about this one in terms of like what I have for parameters and like mm. say, Hey, let, let's go check it out. Let's go look at it. But I think the burden could fall on your realtor, but just through the nature of like the technology that we have at this yeah. point, a lot of it could fall to you too. So if you're a real like go getter, keeping on top of it, you'll be the one to see it first. Okay. I was curious because I know, um, your realtor, Sarah was, she would send you things that you like, didn't necessarily even have an opportunity to look at yet. So yeah. I was, I'm, I still don't really know how the process. She, yeah. I feel like she talked to people in her office who sure. knew things were coming up, and that was kind of part of it. Uh-huh. That's what happened with this house. So this house, we completely renovated, which I told her we didn't want to do any work. I don't know where that. I don't know how we agreed on that, but I think she kind of. We were so exhausted from looking, and we had lost like. I mean, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, especially a few years ago. We had lost like three or four houses on bids, and every house we wanted, we were like, we were there was like eight other people who were uh-huh. there putting bids on, and so um, I was pretty. We were fed up, and so she just like was like, we were looking at houses one day, and she's like, I just want to show you this house. It's not on the market yet. I know you said you didn't want to do work, but just come with me. We're driving through anyways, and I was like. All right, whatever. So we came here, and this house was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it hadn't been touched since 1960. There was a lot of work. It was bright mustard yellow. 
I mean, Ben knows he yeah, lives. Yeah, it was very mustard colored. I can't few confirm. Few houses <laughs> down. But the layout was exact. I mean, like, it was a good layout. It was a good value. And it was, the location was great. And I think that was part of the problem. And location, I think, location, yeah, location. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge issue is trying to, like, get into these areas. And so, I don't know. We just, we just bit the bullet and did it and put an offer before it actually hit the market. So, so that was, I think, her kind of thinking ahead type of thing. And you met the owner, and she loved you. That was part of it, too. Yes. She was yeah. an old, sweet woman who did really like us. Yeah, and that's not to say we don't have a few tricks. Like, going back to your initial question, like, I will have some listings and stuff that are coming out of the market that I know of or you right. know, realtors I have relationships with that say, hey, you know, we got this coming down the pipe. That does happen, but in large part, that's not the whole sample size so there's just going to be things that right oh yeah and i remember going online looking at a bunch of things sending her all these listings saying i want to see like these houses yeah (laughs) you're like yep that's how absolutely this is how i'm going to spend my saturday now exactly (laughs) i'm like and yeah i need to see these five houses if you have any more that's great but i need to see these five houses so are there certain sites because there are a million one sites that you can look at houses are there certain i have heard some things about using trulia or zillow are Mm -hmm. there Reasons why you should or should not use those types of websites? Um, not necessarily. I mean, they're all going to have somewhat similar info because they all try to populate from a similar system right. at their base. But there are going to be things like pre-foreclosure on Zillow is super difficult because if you miss like one payment, your house is going to pop up on pre-foreclosure and then oh. you're going to start getting a million letters from people like, hey, oh, I want to wow. buy your house even Holy if it was... Crap. Yeah, and so That's those things pop on really quick, and in large part, you're not going to be able to buy those because somebody's like, I'm just going to catch up on my payment. I just missed it right. for whatever reason, like because the government was furloughed or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, so there are some limitations that way, and I think it gets people excited about things that aren't necessarily realistic sometimes, but yeah. um, generally they all populate from our like MLS system, um, which is the listing service that has, it's what we as realtors use to put houses on the market, to have like the documents and everything that we need in there. So they all try to basically populate from that. But I personally am biased and really like the Redfin site. Okay. (laughs) I, I love, I love Redfin. Yeah. Honestly, like I remember it was the most accurate. It was the easiest to navigate. And I'm not just saying this because you work there. No, but you have sent me when you were looking at homes. That's where you would send all of the listings from. Zillow was overwhelming, and I feel like they don't take stuff down when they've sold. Like it's That's like the other thing that I would that, and it's part of the reason why I was asking is because I've I've heard and I've noticed that some of the information is just not accurate. correct. But I also have heard that it just kind of pulls from it, like pulls and averages things from throughout the web. It's not just. It's a couple different, yeah, yeah, sources. So, so the the accuracy of the information <laughs> available is somewhat questionable on those types of Well, ways. props to Redfin because I, as a user, yeah. think that they've done the best yeah. job. <laughs> and so it, kind of how Redfin started too was Redfin and Zillow started at generally the same time. Oh, really? And Zillow said, we're going to make this a marketing platform for agents basically. So you look at a house, you see like those like three agents they have underneath, right? Right. And you can contact one of them to get into the home where Redfin said, we're just going to make ourselves a real estate brokerage and hire people that will take you out so you just click oh, schedule at this yeah. time and we'll send you somebody out there so right yeah 
It's pretty cool. And both have grown up slightly differently and, you know, things have changed, but yeah, that's, that's generally how it worked. Cool. So instead of buying, like, I know we've been talking a lot about buying, but what about any tips for people who want to sell their house? Cause there's, I mean, all buyers become sellers, all sellers become buyers, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have any like, like really big do's and don'ts? Yeah, if you have teenage sons, <laughs> make sure they're out of the house. <laughs> I, I've Just sons, in, not daughters. <laughs> I, so I haven't, I've walked into too many houses where like a teenage son is sitting there with like shirtless and like on the couch, like, who are you? <laughs> oh my like, God. yeah, like maybe you could leave. <laughs> um, or like an annoying roommate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but otherwise, I I wouldn't say you want to knock out walls and put in new bathrooms or anything to sell your house. Usually, just give them where the market's at. I mean, it's pretty easy to sell a home in general. We're still in a bit of a seller's market, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of the coasts are starting to see a, a little bit of a shift to a balance. But um, especially here in Wisconsin, Midwest in general, we're still pretty strong. So just making sure it's not dirty and smelling bad and gross. It's pretty easy stuff. And you think like this shouldn't have to be a topic, but I've been into too many houses where it seems like it must've been rocket science. Cause they, they couldn't get it figured out. Um, what are some, have, do you have any funny anecdote, like experiences from when you've gone to see? I'm sure you have so people? many. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my favorite one is, uh, I was taking a lady out who, She'd have to go into every, like, master bedroom and sit on a chair or on the floor, maybe even a bed. I, I try to discourage that because it's weird sitting on someone else's bed. But I mean, agreed. She, she would just, she wanted to get the perspective of what it was like to wake up in that room. And so... <laughs> I mean, I actually, at first, I think that sounds kind of weird, but it's also like... I mean, that's like what you're waking up to every day. Yeah. Well, and you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a home. So if you need to get that perspective, But do you have to fall asleep to really wake up to know how it feels? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. uh, Listing agents frown on sleepovers. So we don't get those approved usually. I was just making sure. Because I'm like, if you really want to get that feeling, like you have to be actually asleep and then you have to like wake up and be like, where am I? Kind of thing. Yeah. But... We go up to this master bedroom, and this is during an open house, so there's other people at this house. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when an agent's staging a home, um, like so say sellers have moved out or just generally they want to stage it to look better, instead of like using actual beds, they will use cardboard boxes to put a comforter over. And so it looks, you have the general idea, like this is how big a bed is, and this is what it looks like in this room, yeah. which makes sense. And So this is like the staging Correct, thing. right, correct. Okay. And so this lady goes and... I kind of am looking at the window and I turn around just in time to see her slowly easing backwards onto the, what she thinks is a bed (laughs) and just crashes through all the cardboard boxes and like legs in the air. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) I mean, that was a modern family episode. I don't know if you guys watched that, but (laughs) no, Claire Dunphy tries to like lean on a piano (laughs) And she just falls through a bunch of boxes. <laughs> oh it's so funny. I would have died. I would have been the worst person yeah. to be in the room at the time. Oh, was, was there other people in the room? Uh, not in the room downstairs. So they definitely heard like a gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> but after seeing that she was okay, like just a little like embarrassed rattle. Right. I, I 
also started laughing because it was very funny. She, <laughs> she embraced it as well. But good. That, yeah, and then the, obviously someone came upstairs like, everything okay? Like, yeah, we're good. So <laughs> what does the, the agent of the house say? I think it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's if you break it, you buy it kind of thing. So <laughs> um, You buy the boxes? Like, okay. uh, or the house. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Got it. That's awesome. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh my god, you must encounter some crazy people. I could, I can't imagine. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I, I've been told by so many people. Like, you probably think I'm crazy. You probably think we're crazy for wanting a, a bathtub or for wanting heating floors in this area. And I guarantee you that probably 100 percent of your listeners. If you're thinking that, you're not the craziest person. Because the craziest person doesn't think that? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) There are, I'm sure, hundreds of weird stories and uncomfortable situations that each and every real estate agent could share. So don't think that your requests of your agent or what you need out of a house is too crazy for someone to handle. Okay. All right. That's that's really good advice. Um, so going back to kind of, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking about like my other weird visits to home. <laughs> oh yeah. I've had several that's, we've, we had quite the experience, but going back to like the process, is there a perfect time for someone to look for a home? I know, you know, like we say spring. Look or list. Yeah. yeah. Look or list. Yeah. We say spring, but is that real? No. And okay. <laughs> so like real estate markets shift and it's a matter of how many listings are on the market at a given time. So in the spring, especially in the Midwest, when there's snow on the ground, nobody's like listing homes. True. But, um, so we start seeing a pickup of listings, but at the same time, there's more buyers in the market. Okay. And if you look at kind of a time horizon, unless you're planning on like flipping a home, if you're looking at like value wise, you're probably going to be in your home for a couple of years. Right. And so over that amount of time, like the little bit of financial change over a couple months isn't going to be huge. So I don't think like it's when you're ready to buy a home and when you're ready to move forward with the process financially, emotionally, and kind of having, I guess, so to speak, your house in order before you're ready to go. Um, Because I I bought my house, I guess there is kind of typically um, the Thanksgiving to Christmas timeframe as a buyer, like there's not a lot of people trying to buy a house then just because everyone has Thanksgiving, Christmas, a lot of travel sure. and everything. Yeah. And so I get in at that point, I think, you know, we got a little bit of a better deal. But again, if I paid $5,000 less than I would have six months later, over that big the of course a deal. of how long I'm being yeah. in the house, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd say whenever you're ready is probably the best answer. All right. Spring market, maybe false. <laughs> There's more <laughs> listings. There's certainly more listings out there. Um, okay, let's say you found that perfect home, which I want to get back to in terms of like perfect home. Okay. Like, because I think that that's, that's, I mean, everyone has an idea of a perfect home, but do you really get everything you want? Did you ever see someone get everything they want for the price that they want? I don't think so. Okay. I don't see, think it, yeah. I'm so glad you say that because I feel like people go in with unrealistic expectations like us. Is the, is, and are, I mean, I think you could argue that the only way to actually accomplish that is to, to build. If you have... But then location. Well, yeah, and even true. then, I couldn't, oh, I couldn't build my perfect home because I like to live like in a kind of urban area, so yes. I, I couldn't even build. Um, so, I mean, 
I think the best way to figure that out for yourself personally is just by going into a bunch of homes and, and mm-hmm. seeing what you like. Because when you start doing that, you start seeing realistically, A, what your dollar is getting you and B, the things you're really firm on needing to have and the must have list versus like the, I kind of like to have that and yeah. it would be nice. And you start making those trade-offs, I guess, in your brain. And I think part of my job too is if, if you're searching like with a spouse or with a partner of some sort, I, I work as partially a marriage counselor. I was just going to say, are you partially a marriage counselor? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you have two people who have, to some extent, competing priorities. Like you can be together. Like I, I can speak to my wife and I's situation. We had a generally similar idea, but when it came down to the nuts and bolts of what was super important, we had different ideas. Mm-hmm. And so being able to work through that either with your agent or just with your partner in general um, to say, okay, these are the things that are really important that I, I really, really need to have versus, you know what, I I can live without that and we'll be okay. Like this will still be a great home. Um, so while maybe there's not a perfect home when you go into the process and like at the end you say, I found the perfect home. I think a lot of people end up in a home and, and you turn it into something that's perfect for you. Right. Somehow. Yeah. I think that's a great, that is a very great sentiment because I think that, again, it's a process, right? So it's, it's give and take. It's a bit of, you know, making some concessions on a lot of different ends and whether that's from the buyer seller, you make some concessions, uh, whether that's from the, the parties that are, you know, purchasing or selling the house, like those individual sides, it is very much a balance in defining what that balance is going to be. The other thing that I think is perhaps challenge, at least I know from my perspective, from when a year and a half ago when we were actively looking for homes, which we haven't looked really since. I got a guy. But <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you know something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but there is the sentiment, and I think, Sarah, you had said this, you don't want to do any work. Right. But here's yeah, the Yeah, we went the opposite on that right. <laughs> but here's the thing, and this is what I try to remind myself, and I try to remind my husband about homes, They were built with somebody else's ideas in mind. So they were not built for us. They were built for somebody else. So it's not going to be 100% perfect. We would probably want to change certain things. Maybe we do it immediately. Maybe we do it later. But that's the other thing is that, and this is one of my other questions, is it super challenging to bring people into a home that maybe there's horrific wallpaper or teal carpeting or whatever it is. How challenging is it for you to kind of talk them through like visualizing this in something that they could see themselves in? Sure. And and again, that's kind of a a person to person basis, right? Where if somebody's totally not handy and people communicate that to you, like when we're in a house, if we see something wallpaper and they say, I hate this, you can say, can you remove it? Like, is it a big deal? Like, you know, it's just wallpaper. Maybe we could get past that. And you get a pretty quick sense from people of how much they're willing to take on or do. And I don't think it's my job to like push someone in a, into a house necessarily. So if it's, yeah. And so (laughs) if, if it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work and we can keep looking at it. I guess to bring this back to wine, it's kind of like, what's your favorite wine? And, And how'd you figure that out? And, you went in and you tried a bunch of different wines, right? And so we go into a bunch of different houses and we talk about, okay, I like this about this house or this wine and I like this about this. And you start to formulate what's really important. And then 
as your psalm, so to speak, I can say, I think this is going to be your bottle. This is the best analogy <laughs> ever. Yeah. Real estate agent psalm. Sommelier. It's, it's funny how they kind of tie in. I, I was they thinking do, about it a little bit. That's actually, talking. I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just keeping that in mind, I think, allows your buyer to have, A, trust in you in terms of listening to their feedback all the yeah. time and being able to adjust what you're presenting to them and being able to be an advocate for them. Um, yeah. I yeah. I think being an advocate, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you need a sommelier who's going to find that wine for you. Who's <laughs> yeah. going to like, <laughs> who's not just going to grab no. that bottle off the top. Yeah. Shelf and exactly. Say, and be like, wine. this hundred dollar bottle is for you. Yeah. yeah. This is the most expensive one. So this is the one you're going to want. Trust me. Trust me. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. No, no. What's the average time that you think people actually like, is there an average Ooh. time even? That it takes people to find their house, or no? It's, it's Is everyone be so different? Variable based yeah. on the person. Yeah. There's people that I've worked with for a year, and there's people that I've worked with for three weeks, and they or two weeks, and they find a house. Um, wow. I just was out with somebody who we were out on the second day of seeing houses, and it was the second house in the second day, and they put in an offer and we're under contract now. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's, Easy for you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Easy for and, them, too. Well, yeah. Yes. And it's just, you know, it's something that clicked with them. They're like, this the area is perfect, which is obviously huge. Um, and from the other houses we saw that didn't have these things we wanted, like, this is it. Mm-hmm. All right. Is it about the feeling, though, too? I feel like it's absolutely. a lot about the feeling, right? When absolutely. someone walks into a house and they get that feeling. Yeah. I can't say that I had that here, but I... Yeah, and, and it's probably very split. No, I mean, I had the feeling like this is a this house has good bones, but like... Oh. There was so much going on in this house in terms of like, we had to remote... I mean, we got you it in this place. You had little treasures, though, like these hardwood floors. Yes. Like, those were... <laughs> no, for sure, but we didn't know that right away. We right. we they we assume they they did verify it, but I got the feeling that like there was potential for sure. But I don't think it was the typical feeling like if you walk into a house and you're like this is it. Just because there was so much to do. You know, but I was like I kind of when when finally Adam came and looked at it with me and he had the same like kind of like, "Oh, I think we can really do something with this." Then I was like, "Okay, yeah. It's not just me. You and know what I mean? Like I think a lot less people have that aha moment than like those HGTV shows would have you believe. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's more of kind of that tightrope balancing yeah. act of, okay, what am I willing to give up? What am I not? Yeah. And right. I didn't have that with my house either. I didn't have like the, this is the perfect house, but it right. was, I like this location. I like generally what we have in terms of like a structure and I think I can work with this. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Can see, you can see yourself there. Yeah. yeah. I have a yard. This looks like a nice yeah. street. I'm not on a main street like that was a big thing for us like i'm still i'm still thinking back one time we saw this house this was like 10 years ago when my husband was moving up here for residency we walked into a house i was with him and then we ended up going to this house the house was fine it was fine and then we start going down to the basement okay and Okay, I have chalked myself up. I don't know if you've heard all the other episodes, but I've chalked myself up. I can be a slightly paranoid human being. We walked down, and halfway down the stairs to the basement, there was, like, this crawl space that had, like, rocks. Oh, did you think something like bad a, happened? Oh, I've gotten dude, that feeling. I got the creepiest 
feeling ever. And I was like, I swear to God, there are like body parts in there. No. It is so, I was like, I can't continue walking down the staircase. (laughs) I physically was like, you guys continue. I'm going back up. I just, this is not, this is not. I totally agree with you. I would say that I definitely have the feelings of like, this is bad juju. I need to get out of here. <laughs> Give me I don't, the like, I, I don't really know why, but like, no. There's been a couple of houses where I've literally walked in and just walked out. Because it was like, nope, there's something. There's bad spirits. I don't like yeah. it. Okay, maybe bad maybe juju. I'm one of your crazy people. but No, no, no. Not at all. I, I, I've had those experiences too where, so as like a real estate agent, I get to places before my clients oh, typically oh, yeah. flip on lights and stuff. And so... There was one that was kind of way out in the middle of nowhere, old farmhouse, like 1800s farmhouse, and being the city boy that I am. So I'm used to streetlights. I'm used to a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And I turned down like three streets that I thought were too small to be actual streets and finally get to this place. And there's nobody around. It's seven o'clock at night, so it's pitch black out here. Oh, my God. And uh, So it's not summer. No, no, no. It was a couple months ago. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and so I walk up to the house. It's totally dark. It's got a notice on the front about being vacant. Um, and it's just like a weatherization thing that's on a lot of vacant homes. And I get up to the door where the lockbox is, and there's a pair of shoes outside. No! And so the people I'm meeting aren't here yet. <laughs> so I'm looking at the shoes. My car is parked kind of by this, like, barn I just said I was going to go sit in my car. <laughs> Not go into the house. Eventually, once the people got there, so I oh, had like some yeah. backup, okay, but okay, it, okay, was, it was very terrible. And was it was it creepy inside? <sighs> a little bit. The basement again. Like you, you it's get, always like, these the basement, right? 1800s builds yeah. where it's these kind of just like quarry stones that are down oh. there and... It's, it's definitely interesting. I feel like scary. the basement, like there's so many basements. And I, I'll say that like our basement, although it's not like done done, that was one of the things. It wasn't a creepy basement. I feel like the creepy basements, like those dungeon-y like basements, you're just like, I don't think I can do this. Do you do have this. a crawl space? No. Crawl spaces, I think, creep me out beyond belief. Like yeah. Sean's old house had a crawl space. I did not choose this house, by the way. But Chocolate House <laughs> had a crawl space, and I was always just like, hmm, somebody could be in there. Bungalows creep me out. Bungalows, too? What is that? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, this what? is a really good movie. Like, uh, That's what? like most of the homes in like our general vicinity. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Because you get upstairs, and I'm like, I feel so cramped. Um, like there's like nowhere to go and like fair okay. <laughs> I was gonna oh, say like everyone can't see me motioning, but it's like like <laughs> literally there's like a, like you're just cramped because you can feel like the roof is right on top of you and you're like I I don't I mean there was a couple bungalows we saw and I just was like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> don't take me to I'm claustrophobic. It's claustrophobia. That, that would be it. Yeah. So I was gonna say like in relation to that last story, like I'm a six five. Person yeah. with some substantial. I'm sure I mean, I wouldn't go to that house, but the bungalow thing is interesting because they don't even bother me, and I'm, I'm a large person. <laughs> you know what? And I feel really bad because this person at work asked me what area I lived in, and I told him, and they were like, "Oh, we used to live there." And I, they're like, "Do you live in a bungalow?" I was like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they lived in a bungalow. Rude. I, I was so rude. I was like, "I can't do a bungalow," and he was looking at me, and I was like, "Was your reaction? I, how dare you?" Almost. <laughs> Was, and then, like, I walked away from it being like, he probably thinks I'm such a snob. Mm-hmm. And then I was, <laughs> Ben's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and then I was just like, no, I don't think I explained that well. 
It, I'm claustrophobic in a bungalow. That makes sense. I don't think it, there's okay. there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's fine. I'm it's just not the house style for you. No, I actually it's, refuse. It's not your wine. No, it's not, it's not my wine. <laughs> I actually refuse to see them. There was one I walked into and I was like, nope. I told my agent, I'm like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out. It's not working. Out. This I've isn't working. Okay, yeah. that's either then, huh? No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Like you get in the like especially I can see you like getting agitated she, even talking it's about very it. Very physical reaction. <laughs> like especially like Sarah, the bathroom. I know I'm not in a bungalow. I know so that. You're, but, listen, you're there was it's like PTSD. Okay. <laughs> see, I can see this right, right. here. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> let's say you make that offer. We're getting back to kind of some more of these questions. Let's say you make that offer and it goes through and everything is great. Inspection. Let's mm. talk. Oh. It's important, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you navigate that? Because I feel like no one prepared us for, okay, we found things now. Mm-hmm. What's major? What do you really need to worry about? Like, what do you do? Like, do you just ask for money off? Do you ask them to fix it? Like, do you ditch, you know? I mean, I know in some cases you do if it's, like, super bad. And right? can you choose your inspectors? Who chooses the inspectors? You you absolutely choose your inspectors. Who do? The sellers or the buyers? The, the buyers. Damn. Um, you pick your... Because, really I mean, this is your inspection for the house that you're going to buy. Right. You pick your inspector. Um, in terms of kind of how you handle what comes up, I think, first off, it's being prepared in terms of if you are buying a house that was built in 1930, um, yeah. you should probably understand that there's going to be a few bumps and bruises on it because nothing makes it 90 years or what have you Mm -hmm. uh, without picking up some issues. Right. Um, Sure. And a newer home, you know, understanding that, hey, we probably shouldn't have like a three-inch gap in our foundation. Um, Yeah. So part of it is understanding the tolerance that way. And I think the other part is this is when having that trust with your realtor built up has a big impact because – Having them to walk you through because we see these all the time, right? It, we're we're closing houses all the time, yeah, a couple times, several times a month. Um, so being able to look at it, understand, hey, these are potentially big issues, and this is how in our market we can get these addressed, and what the most effective way through this process is. Because I can't make like a blanket statement and say, okay, X, Y, and Z are going to apply in Milwaukee, in Austin, Texas, in San Francisco. And right, 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 right. So um, the, I think trust is going to be a huge part with your realtor at that point and, and being able to advocate for the best way to get through the process. Mm-hmm. Water damage is always bad. It's not the best, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I feel like these were our dear, like mold. I feel like mold is like a definite, oh. like, you got to go, right? I don't know. Especially black molds. Like, how do you get rid of that? Matters when you figure it out, when you find it. Professional. Professional. And, you know, you could be a mold, like a mold remediator that is buying a house. And so in that case, we can say, hey, we just want a credit. And and so, again, that's the real estate agent knowing who you are and knowing the important things to be able to say, hey, let's just have them kick us a couple dollars. You can remediate this yourself. Or, you know, I work with a lot of electricians, a lot of plumbers who say, I can handle these things and let's just get a couple dollars back. Um, Yeah. So it's, that's a big part of what your real estate agent does. um, Other than finding you a home is getting you through that inspection contingency. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. I, I, we had, we had both. We had credit for a few things and they did have to actually fix something. Sure. We made them do. But I mean, Okay, here's another question. Do you think an 
You're you're asking all the questions that I don't know that I need to ask. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I don't know. Do you think a newer house is always better? Absolutely not. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) Because I feel like that's such a, like... Tell me how to balance this. How do you balance old homes versus new homes? And I will say... I'm good. Like, what do you mean? Okay, so sorry. So, I know that I have seen... We saw a bunch of houses... Mm -hmm old and new like little brand new builds right yeah and I know that there's like certain ways to like cut corners and things and so but how do you figure out like what those are I will say the realtor we worked with sometimes offered some information like that I'd say I'd argue that it was only if we called attention to it sure and like asked the question yeah and and I guess with new construction some of it's based on reputation of the builder and, and right. the interactions you've had in the past. And there's some builders who are going to go above and beyond to, you know, if there's a little scuff on the paint, they're coming back to fix it where others, they could hang a window weird and yeah. it's too bad for you. So I would hope that I would know. Yeah. Like you'd hope you noticed that in the walkthrough. That's what I'm saying. I hope you'd be like, hey, look yeah. at that. Then it's not straight unless like the ground is crooked. Yeah. But it, just like in terms of me personally, that kind of going back to your initial question is new always better than the old. I think you get some awesome quality and some super old builds sometimes. And that's why houses from 1800 are still standing yeah. to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's more so it's going to reflect a like what you look for in a home because a lot of new construction homes um, unless you're getting very high end isn't going to have like in this dining room we have really nice crown molding right and so a lot of those things aren't going to be there in a newer home and me personally that's super important and I really like the character features like built-ins and I like knowing that you know people have lived here and there's an old like milk shoot for when the milkman used to deliver milk in my oh, house. So or a rotary like, phone yeah. in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And or so, laundry chutes. Why did they get rid of laundry chutes? <gasps> Our friends just uh, had them built. It's upsetting. They, they had them built? They had they have a laundry chute. Yes. We, we have one and I think... just finished last year. Yeah. It's it's very useful. I don't know why they ever stopped making those. I've Anyways. seen new construction homes where they just put the laundry on the second floor. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Downstairs, but I, I agree. I love laundry chutes. <laughs> It's so convenient. <laughs> Anyways, okay, sorry. But, okay, so I was just curious because I think that that's like a big thing is people are always like, oh, it was built in 1960. That's too bad. Or whatever. I mean, here and you before yeah. that. but Stylistically, so. that becomes a little challenging. Yeah. Though. Like, if you yeah. don't like the style of the interior. Right. Exterior, I could maybe get past some things. But, like, interior, that's like, that's like... You could feel like you need to gut a house. Well, I think it depends on who's lived there and how well they've kept it up. That's true. Well, and part of it's materials, too. I know, yeah. mm-hmm. like, in some southern states, anything built with Chinese drywall, which is, like, a specific segment of time, like, the stuff degraded and it was, like, awful. Like, it, it's oh, super really? hard to sell your house, even if you have it now. Um, and so... Again, kind of knowing your market, if you're looking in this time frame, knowing the things to look for. Oh, you mean like at the time frame of when it was built? Yeah. So I think it was like kind of 80s and on, 80s to like mid 90s or late 90s. Wow. It was the Chinese drywall thing. And so having 
some idea about like those potential issues. So that means that, you know, maybe a house built in 1985 isn't as good as a house built in 1965 or a house built in 2005. So just kind of knowing your market and some of the weird things that like asbestos one that about, yeah, asbestos tile in basements. (laughs) Yeah. That's specific to here. I I, I think it's more national based actually, but yeah. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, Okay, so I know we got to wrap up soon, but I do have a couple more questions. I don't know if what you... What else you got? Uh, <laughs> what you got, girl? Okay, so let's say you want to make a bid. Now we're, like, at the end. We found our perfect home. We've gone through the inspection. Well, no, you make the bid before the inspection, I guess. Okay, you found the perfect home. Mm-hmm. Um, what if there's multiple bids? Like, how do you make yourself more desirable? Like, I've heard of people writing letters. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, it, I think it's effective when you're... Really? In a multiple bid scenario. And so everybody could be coming in at the exact same list price, right? And, and mm-hmm. so putting a letter out there and just letting them know generally who you are, who you are and why this house appeals to you, I, I think can be beneficial. And I've been in scenarios where I talk to the listing agent afterwards and I say, your offer wasn't the best, but they picked you because you had a nice letter and, and they identified with the, the buyers and you do like there is some concerns you have to be careful with kind of fair housing rules and mm-hmm. what you're saying like you can't say like hey we're a nice white family like in this yeah, area right, right. like then you get into fair housing issues but if it's more so hey we really like your house because you know your mantle is beautiful and my grandfather had one back in Germany that was super similar. I guess you probably shouldn't say back in Germany either, but well, <laughs> but just in, up, like a general sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. growing up, I, I had this, and this is why I identify with your home, and right. this is why I identify with your neighborhood. Why we want to be here. Yeah, why we want to be here. And, and just having that little bit of edge, like give yourself every advantage you can. So write a letter and do whatever. Because instead of paying, you know, $5,000 extra, maybe that letter just helps you Okay. Get over the edge. So that, that'd be the biggest thing. Um, otherwise, and again, your agents will probably know this like from market to market, but there's different like escalation clauses that say, Hey, we can beat any offer by $750 up to X amount. Oh, okay. So there, there's different creative methods that we can use as real estate agents to keep you from paying too much where instead of like just paying $20,000 more, we can say, Hey, we'll bump up in thousand dollar increments to, to beat anybody. Um, so, okay. yeah, I, I just kind of feel that out with your agency, like what would be an effective way to, to get in. To do know. that? Yeah. What's like a, um, just kind of, I mean, pre-putting the bid in, or pre-putting, pre-knowing that you know that you have like multiple offers on a house, mm-hmm. is there like a certain percentage that you shouldn't go below or that you as a would not recommend putting a low offer? Yeah, it's, it's kind I've of funny. i heard of the low ball situation and then... Yeah. My husband and I did that a little bit. <laughs> so, it, again, you're going to get some... I'll tell you the outcome, but... Okay. Um, you're going to get some split opinions from real estate agents, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, being part of the, I guess, kind of more millennial class of <laughs> individuals... Um, mm-hmm. If I'm selling a house, I'm not going to get insulted, I guess, is what they like. I'm putting that in air quotes, like, insulted, like, with an offer. Like, if somebody puts in a super low offer, like, I'm either, A, just not going to respond, or B, like, just barely come down. And and I think it's always going to be a conversation. A lot of times, the best offer you're going to get as a seller is your first offer. Um, Mm -hmm. So, 
being willing to negotiate, I think is important. Um, now, if you know, you have it, like, you know, your house is really good and you're going to get more offers like then fine. All right. Don't respond. But in general, I think go in whatever you're comfortable at. And, and you know, if you can only pay $230,000 and they have it listed for $300,000 and it's been on the market for a year. Yeah. Why not? Give it a shot. And, and the worst they can say is no. Is no, right. Yeah, exactly. So some agents like, oh, don't waste my time. Don't do this. At the very least, they can have a conversation, you know, with the listing agent and get past it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a problem writing really low offers and some real estate agents would disagree with me vehemently, okay. but go I, for it. Yeah. I so mean, <laughs> what's I, your experience? So we, we did that. We saw a house. I, I'm trying to remember what it was listed at. I think we came in. I think it was like 480 or something. We came in at like 420 and our real estate agent was like, oh, that's like literally what you said. Yeah. That's an insult. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, but if you look at the past history of the selling and like what has been done since, yeah. there's not really much that's been added to it or whatever. So we don't know where that hike came from. So sure. we put it in and then they countered. They came down like a very small yeah. amount, like maybe four grand, I think. And... My husband's like, I'm sorry, but that's as high as I'm going to go. And I said, well, you shouldn't put in your your highest offer that you're willing to go at the forefront because mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's kind of crazy. But you need some wiggle room. Well, fast forward, like, I think it was probably five or six months, and the house sold for what we initially offered. Yeah. No, I, I have the exact same story, and that's kind of why I say that because I went in $100,000 less than a list price really? on a home. And, uh did, how, did you have a bad feeling about it or did you like think it was like we liked the house it was super it was super super dated and I thought it was overpriced and so through that offering the age and so at this time I had just gotten my license okay. and being docked like real estate license with I, I wasn't like with a local broker and there's some things like errors and omission insurance very boring things that I'm sure no one wants to hear about but <laughs> um <laughs> And so we wanted to work with a broker, so we went to the listing agent okay. um, and worked with somebody in that office because sometimes you can say, hey, you know, we're working with somebody in your office, like maybe we'd work out a commission, like better commission deal or something yeah, like yeah. that, uh, just if you keep this in the house. And so told him, hey, I want to go in with X offer and said, you're an idiot, you're never going to get it. And I know, <laughs> I know the listing agent, they're never going to accept it. It's like, well, listing agent doesn't matter, it's the seller of the house that matters and you have to legally present this offer because I'm telling you. That you have to. Yeah. And as real estate agents, if somebody says, I want you to write an offer, we, at to. least in the state, you have to write that offer. Um, and so we went in, they came back substantially lower again, like you said, and we could have gotten the home had we waived our inspection contingency for $90,000 less than what it was listed for. Um, decided not to because <laughs> we found the home that I currently live in right now mm-hmm. but it, it, yeah so, so you hear too many stories like that where someone calls you an idiot and then well and waiting the, the waiting the inspection is a red flag right uh yeah in some cases in some markets you just kind of have to in a lot of, and just you can still have a house inspection inspected if you waive your inspection contingency. Oh, and so, the contingency piece. That's, like, really important. But that, then that means that, like, even if you find, like, Something the worst thing ever, you, you can't do anything can't about it. can't necessarily get out. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, a lender in that scenario will know, like, okay, hey, there's, like, their foundation's falling apart, and it's already half crumbled in on one side, and so the house isn't worth 
what they're trying to pay for it. So like an appraisal or financing, like in some way you could potentially the get output. Could, yeah. At the very least, you'd know. So you still have it inspected. Like I'd rather <laughs> know than not know in that scenario. True, true, um, true, true, true. That and, is true. And potentially fix it before you're planning on moving in. Um, but yeah, it, it'll really depend. I, I don't advocate anyone wave them typically. Um, I, I keep that contingency in most cases. Oh, I no matter like how much you want a home, I, I, I think they're good to have. It's so important, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are some final tips for our listeners? Red flags? Like just tips in general? Like what are your final your final real estate words? Yeah, just, again, just develop a, a relationship with an agent um, at some point. And before you sign anything long-term, make sure you click, make sure they're working for you. Um, and lay out your expectations right away. Yeah. I think that definitely helps. Um, and it helps me too, knowing that, okay, I don't want to bombard someone with emails cause I hate like spam emails that I get all the time and everything. And so if I have like 20 emails from a real estate agent on a daily basis, it's like, I hate this person. Like I'm not <laughs> going to work with them. And so just lay out your expectations for what you want and we can kind of adjust accordingly as agents, we try to make this process easy on you because otherwise we wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> and so right, right. we try to make this an easy process. We try to be the best advocate we can um, to get you through, a, again, a, probably one of the most substantial purchases of your life, potentially yeah. top five, depending on how many houses you buy. But in terms of overall how financial nice your car investment, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even so, I think you have a hard time outpacing your house. Yeah, I agree. Value. So, um, yeah, just... Again, trust that person, make sure they're working for you, and find a great house. All right. <laughs> find that I like fence. it. The yeah. picket fence. Do they even have those anymore? I'm sure so. Oh, yeah. Does. The white picket oh, fence? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, certainly. Okay. <laughs> I, you know better than I. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on. Thank we you truly so appreciate yes. this. I've this had has a been great time. fun. So, cheers, cheers to the next time. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.